Now please join us for 30 seconds as we ground ourselves in silence. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power to walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room I invite you as we move into prayer Two thoughts One, thank you for allowing my words to be your words Because that is a gift Not just to yourself but to all of us We should come together in the vibration of the word And the consciousness upon the word To stand in the yes together And the other is to stop thinking in this moment, to move into the silence. And so the, the, one of the tools I use is I will touch my fingers together lightly, or if my hands are lying upon my, my thighs, I may tap the top of my thigh, or I may tap a finger together gently. But what that, that touch does, it brings my awareness to that. And then on top of that, I ground myself in my breathing. So I touch and I breathe, and I notice both of those. And what it does is it takes me out of my thinking mind into being present. And so I invite you to contemplate and perhaps even incorporate that practice into this moment. Because what that creates is an openness and a space for the infinite, for the divine intelligence to not only be an idea, it takes it from the idea to the experience. And then this moment becomes sacred. And we open ourselves up and ev at every level of our being, cellular, emotionally, spiritually, we create an opening for grace and beauty. Grace and beauty is who and what we are. On this day of the divine feminine, on this day of Mother's Day, of giving birth to newness in our lives where there's been discord, distress, or dis-ease, to open ourselves in the quiet, in this moment, to allow that divine Christ consciousness, our Buddha nature, the inherent intention of the infinite to be alive within us in possibility, in love and beauty. And so I affirm this for myself in this moment. I know that every good thing as I stand in this beautiful space with you, the space between the words, between the notes that make the music so lovely, 
that allow the words and the ideas and the consciousness upon the words to penetrate deeply into my being. And so the transformation, the newness, the opportunity for my life, your life, to reflect and express uniquely and powerfully and wonderfully that which only you or I have the opportunity to express, to say yes to that. And in that yes, everything necessary for its fulfillment shows up sequentially and gradually and inevitably. For this is the most beautiful possibility. For this I give thanks. I release these words for the support and love that have brought us here together today. I release everything that has informed me, instructed me, taught me, loved me, nurtured me, challenged me, forced me to stop and look deeply, all of it, to bring me to this perfect moment. For this I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and great joy knowing everything necessary in this moment and each moment hereafter makes itself infinitely clear by my consciousness, my awareness, as it does for you. Thank you for sharing this beautiful prayer with me in such great gratitude and appreciation knowing that I am different now than I was two minutes ago. For this I give thanks. And I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Well, happy Mother's Day. Oh, somebody put 20 bucks up here. This is great. That's a new practice that we're, where anybody has spare changes, bring it, put it on the thing. I'm just kidding. I was giving the money away at the first service, so in case somebody paid it back, somebody paid it forward. So I better grab that before I forget. Um, so happy Mother's Day. I have, this is, I was just counting over there in the corner how many years I've been doing ministry, and I just passed 17 years. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Do you remember, Carol, you're sitting there. You remember the first talk 17 years ago? You don't. Good. I just want to see if you're being in integrity or not, because I didn't know Carol 17 years ago, but, but I remember it. And I remember all the Mother's Days. I've done 17 of them. I think it was May of, of uh, 1997 when I stepped in and uh, to ministry in a, part, in a part-time way. And, uh, and so what I've had is an, I've had a lot of experiences and I've had an opportunity 17 times to speak to Mother's Day. And sometimes I've made it very, you know, very sentimental and, oh, mom, dear old mom, down on the farm, you know, and, and all that stuff. And then whenever I've done that, people <laughs> inevitably come up to me and say, that was not my experience with my mother. My mother was a witch. And uh, I've actually had people leave the, 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 the community because of my Mother Day talks. So. Um, so what I know is that whether you had the best mom in the world or you had the worst mom in the world, um, I have empathy for both. I have understanding for both. And what I also know about consciousness and what I also know about the eternal journey of my soul is that I bring into my life every teacher that is required for my continued fulfillment and deepening and, 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 and transformation. What I believe is that all of us bring into our lives what is required by right of consciousness so that we can move through things, so we can bring mastery and awareness. By mastery, I mean an awareness and a perspective with a situation that no longer cripples us or, 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 or puts us back into doubt and fear and lack and limitation. Because that's what the world will tell us. The world is full of people that will tell you how many limitations, how much lack there is, how, much, how we should all continue to nurture our agreement with struggle. So I want to talk about those things today because it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity to, uh, to uh, discuss. We're using Wayne Dyer's book, The Power of Intention, which has been out for several years. I think he wrote it in the uh, early 2000s. And it's a wonderful book. Um, 
And I hadn't read it before, but it's uh, wonderful ideas there. So how do we align ourselves with this idea of intention? Because intention to me just feels like, and I never picked the book up before. I thought, well, you know, I don't want to just believe harder. I'm not interested in just forcing my life to work well. And if I really intend and I stick with it, I'm like fanatic with it, so, you know, I'll change it. And that's not at all what he's talking about, which was delightful when I opened it up and I looked at it and I said, wow, I can identify with all this. And on Mother's Day, really what our opportunity is each day is to mother a new idea, to nurture a new idea. And an intention, so I'm going to invite... Uh, the intention and service today. But there's a, there's a quote I want to uh, share with you that I think best represents what this idea of intention and service on a, on a day of, of mothering. Because we're out of balance on this planet with our feminine energy. I'm not just talking about, you know, if you're a woman in this society and you're going to be successful, you've got to go out for the most part and play the game a lot like guys. And, you know, if you look at the history down through the ages, the guys haven't done all that well at times. Okay? So that might not be the perfect model. It might actually be that, why don't we celebrate one another's gifts? Why don't we understand that we both have feminine and masculine? The Hopi Indians have a, have a term for being out of balance. And when we look at the world, we look at it, and in our lives, we can look where we can be out of balance. When one part of our personality sort of dominates. And the feminine is half the equation. The nurturing is half the equation. But it's a challenge. But see, I'm, a, I'm talking to extraordinary consciousness right now. And I'm not pandering to you. What I'm knowing is, see, my role with this is to see the divinity within you. I don't care what the story is. I don't care what you've done in this moment, what my opportunity is, and what the Christ consciousness uh, guides us to, where the Buddha nature is, is to wake up and to realize I see the divinity before me. I see God before me. Individualized, beautiful, expressing. And it's extraordinary and powerful and wonderful. So then how do I move into the energetic of that? So Dyer talks about this. He says, intent is a force that exists in the universe. We got that quote? I know it's coming up. In the universe, there is an immeasurable, indestructible force which shamans call intent. See, intent is a force. Intent is not something we do. I mean, we can use intent for that way. I intend to do this or I intend to do that. But at that deep level of spirituality, at the consciousness of the shaman, and the shaman is just someone that understands their, their connection with spirit. And usually if you're a shaman in a, in a native culture, I just read a bunch of Joseph Campbell stuff on shamans and archetypes and things when I was on holiday, because that's the stuff I like to read when I'm on holiday, and, uh, which I actually do, I love it, and, and just such rich stuff. But when you were a shaman, there was a call that they would hear, and many times it was a song. So indigenous tribes, and they would hear this, and many times... The, the initiate would hear the song and not answer because they knew of the requirements to step into the consciousness of shaman. They'd, hear the, they'd be walking through the forest by themselves and they'd hear the call and they'd go, nope, and they'd keep walking because so much has to be sacrificed for that individual to continue to do the work. And so, but, but, but the, this idea that in the universe there is an immeasurable, indestructible force which shamans call intent, and absolutely everything in the entire cosmos is attached to intent by a connecting link. We're all connected. Doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter where you, where you worship or don't worship, whether you're an atheist or an agnostic or you're a fundamental fanatical, whatever you may be, religious scientist, we're all connected. We're all connected. This is Carlos Castaneda that said that. 
And so there are seven faces of intention, and they are not a way of manipulating. It's not something we do. It's something we align with. It's something we align with. And see, what I know is that all of us, myself included, spend all these hours every day thinking about things, dwelling upon things, fixing things, trying to make things different, trying to make things in a different way in our lives. And what I fall into, the trap I fall into, so I'm thinking maybe a couple of you do, is that I think I've got to do it all myself. Anybody else with me? Two are people over here on my left, so I'll talk to you guys for a little while. <laughs> all right. What I was doing earlier, I have a beautiful yellow rose, and happy Mother's Day. We brought roses out for everybody to, today, and thank you, teens, for being here to help circulate those. I was keeping my rose in my glass of water, but then when I would go do a, get a drink, it would scratch me, so I took it out. But anyway, th- yeah, thank you, teens. And also we have additional uh, potting soil available. So if anyone needs extra potting soil or a compost, I get too confused. I, I don't, I'm working on that. So there's seven faces of intention that I want to share with you today. One is, one is creativity, one is kindness, one is love, one is beauty, one is expansion, one is abundance, and one is receptivity. And all of them are important because what it does is it gives us an opportunity to have things in our toolbox to say, oh, you know what, I'm going back into worry, I'm going back into fixing, I'm going back into this, this anxiety that I've got to make it right and I've got to do it a certain way and on and on and on. When in fact, when we're in that energy, we're just cutting ourselves off from intention. Because intention, the infinite doesn't hear us as clearly. It just doesn't hear us clearly. Earlier in, in, in the first service, Sparrow got up to do her first song and she was playing her guitar and it wasn't coming through the amplification. And Karen Porcus said, oh, it's not plugged in all the way. She was very close. It was just another quarter inch it had to go. And I thought, what a great metaphor. We're so close all the time. How do I close that, that quarter inch gap in my consciousness so that I know that I live in intent? Because when I'm living in intent, man, there's nothing I'm worrying about. And I'm clear and I'm sharp and I'm on purpose and I'm doing things. So as I speak to it right now, I just get this wave of energy because I'm talking about an intent is a vibration. It's a, it's, a, it's a consciousness. It's a sense of well-being. It's joy. It's our divine, inherent, right, and perfect way of being. And so how do I move back into that? Well, the first thing is, is as Dyer talks about in this, is this idea of intention that creativity. That we are all, we have all created the conditions in our lives. We've done it, and we've done it, most of us, unconsciously. Because no one ever said to me when I was a kid, beware of your thinking. They did at times. It didn't make any sense to me, and I wasn't paying that much attention because they, they scared me most of the time anyway because the people that I thought, the people that were supposed to be loving me in my life were the ones that were scaring me. And so it made it really difficult to think because when you're in a constant state of fear, you can't think. And they were doing the best they could. I get it. If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I love them. Bless them. I thank them. I've done my forgiveness work. I continue to do it if it comes up again. Because they're right and perfect. They, they fulfilled their agreement with me on this journey. So creativity, the life-giving power of intention, intends for us to have life and to have it abundantly. Did not somebody like this fellow by, from Nazareth say that at one point in time? Didn't Jesus at one point in time say, I have come so that you, he meant you, and you, 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 you may have life and have it more abundantly. Creativity, possibility, the conditions we created in our lives right here and right now, the consciousness we use to create what we have is the same consciousness that, as Einstein said, the same level of, you must, you must be the change you wish to see in the world, but I, that's uh, Gandhi, but Einstein said we can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. So what's, what must I know, what must I be, what must I do? And that's the creative process, it's who we are. It's our opportunity. But we have to be open to creativity. 
I'm not limited by this. I'm not stuck with what I am. I created this. I can create more. So creativity, the face of kindness. The face of kindness is so important. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. We had a wonderful teacher on holiday in Mexico. Spent four days with these people. They're called timeshare salesmen. <laughs> timeshare salesmen. And what timeshare salesmen do after a while is they tempt you not to love them. <laughs> and the challenge is to stay in the kindness because there's a consciousness there. It's kind of, it's, it's, you know, uh, anyway, but you get what I mean. So what happens for us is there's a temptation when we meet people in the world that we disagree with to withhold our kindness. We, we, we become challenged, and all of a sudden we go into opinion, and then we go into a judgment. And I think it was very confusing for these people, because I would continue to say no, or Laura would say no, but we were really kind through the whole thing. Just to say, well, thank you. You know, thanks for going and checking on that. Well, we're going to bring in Joe because Joe, you know, they bring in the closer because there's, you, they think, they tell you, well, you're brain damaged. I'll bring somebody in that can really put it to you so you'll understand and you'll buy. Hi, Joe. How are you doing today? Good, good. What's the problem? No problem. Just don't want to buy. Well, why wouldn't you want to buy? Because I don't want you, what you're selling. <laughs> and after you say that 50 or 60 times, there's a tendency to withdraw your kindness, right? But I'm telling you, it's always a choice. And it doesn't matter how many times the things come up, but it's our choice to be kind. Do you know about serotonin? Not serotonin, the member of our, our teen uh, group, but serotonin, it's all one word. I thought that was a great line. Jeez, <laughs> you guys. Anyway, so serotonin. Deb, come on up here. Come on up, come on. Hey, would you help me? Would you be willing to help? Here's Deb Meville. Amazing consciousness. She's, been a, she's an eternal spirit of light and love upon this planet. Then how many, how many lifetimes now have you lived, would you say? I have no idea. She has no idea. Fantastic. Because she's not supposed to know that anyway, because she's, she's engaged in this right lifetime. Here. Okay. And so here's, here's what I'm going to do, because I really feel like I just want to say thank you. And I, got, I brought the, well, somebody left me an extra 20. <laughs> and I want to give you 20 bucks today just for being a, a beautiful and wonderful person and for allowing me to help circulate. So would you accept that with great love and unconditional support on I my do. behalf? Okay, Thank you. sweet. Could I get a hug from you? You certainly can. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. Okay. So, what happens when we watch an act of kindness? When we witness an act of kindness, and, I, and it's my great joy to be able to do this, and, and it sets up perfectly. We all activate serotonin in our bodies. So, you know when there's drug addicts in the world, people have addictions? We have the same chemicals in our body, the dopamine, the serotonin, and there's oxycotton, I think, or oxy... No, whatever, it starts with oxy, and I know it's not cotton. But all those things get activated naturally. And what happens with addicts is they want to activate them without the activity. But serotonin is something we all share. Kindness doesn't cost us anything. To, to give someone a hug and to go out in the world and smile. You know, and just smile at one another and be kind. Because what it does is it keeps us aligned with intention. It heals the separation. 
You'll notice there's a pattern in our affirmative prayer. The first thing is a recognition of the one life. That life is perfect. That life is God's life. And that life is mine and yours right now. So what we're doing is we're healing the separation. Holmes knew that. Great mystics always knew that, that when we pray from a a sense of separation, it's not as effective. And so creativity moves us into it. Kindness moves it into it. And then there's love. Love. The third one is love. There it is. It's coming in. Love. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, love is our highest word and our synonym for God. The energy of intention is pure love. Love is a higher vibration. St. Francis of Assisi said, where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. What he was doing was saying, let me activate love in this situation because I don't want to lose my unbroken connection with spirit. There's a wonderful story in the Bible in Mark 5.25 and this woman, there was a woman, it says a, a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. So this woman had a problem, she could not stop, blood kept flowing through her for 12 years. And she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and, and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. So here she is, she's exhausted all possibilities. She can't stop the flow. And blood, and see now, I'm not talking about this as a literal story. I'm talking about the the truth upon this story. Because I don't know if it ever happened or not, but I believe the message is true, and it's powerful. So here's a woman, her life force is being drained and drained and drained and drained. And she's tried everything she possibly can, and she can't do it by herself. So she's living in separation. And she hears about this wonderful teacher, this wonderful healer. And there were a lot of healers in the time of Jesus. It was very popular. And a lot of it is because of so much of our our, our, our problems, our psychosomatic, there was a lot of effective healers at that time. And so what she did is she said to herself, I've heard about this wonderful teacher. And I know that if I just simply touch the hem of his garment, this will change for me. She knew that in her heart. And so what happens is a throng of people are around Jesus. He comes into town and it's packed with people and she fights her way up to him and she comes up behind him now the the example in it is that the the thinking in our minds are is the throng it's the crowd it's the doubt it is the judgment it is the separation that we can live in that represents this woman fighting her way through the crowd of her own thinking to touch the christ consciousness that's the meaning in it so we don't, you know, we, we're not going to go to Jerusalem and we're not going to find Jesus standing there and walk up behind him. It's not a literal interpretation. It is a metaphor for our journey. So the crowdedness of my limited thinking, I have to push aside. I have to force my way through this, through spiritual practice to get to the front so that I can touch the hem, so I can reach in and, 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 and touch it, the, uh, the cosmic consciousness, the Christ consciousness. Because I know there I will be healed. This is why I'm talking about these seven principles, because I want to heal the separation and so she walks up and she touches the cloak. And as the story goes, Jesus felt something. He said, what just happened? Who just touched my cloak? Packed with people around him. And he turned around. And this woman is so embarrassed. Because in that tradition, if you have a problem with blood, if you are flowing blood nonstop, there's something wrong with you. You are dirty. There's something broken with you. So here's a metaphor of someone that believes at a deep level of consciousness that I am, I'm dirty. And she falls to her knees out of embarrassment. And Jesus looks down at her and says, Sister, you are healed. Your belief has set you free because her bleeding stopped immediately, according to the story. And so it's such a great teaching story about how we must fight through our own consciousness, through our own limited thinking, to to that Christ consciousness, to the oneness 
so that whatever, wherever we, our life force is being drained away from us, we can stop it. And we can stand together and we can stand with one another in the vitality and the aliveness and the thrill of being alive to live life abundantly. And so I love that story. It's a story of love. It's a story of, and it's about loving ourselves, which just, you know, for many people, it's so selfish. We have to give and give and give to others. Well, if you don't have anything here, what are you giving? If you, aren't, if you don't show up, if your cup's not running over, if you're not prayed up, when you get somewhere, if you're not getting up in the morning and saying, man, oh, man. See, nobility is not looking at other people and saying, oh, I'm better than so-and-so. I mean, see who I can be better. I'm better than Adam. That's not what nobility is. Nobility is saying, you know what? I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm better now than I was a year ago. I'm, a better, I'm, I'm, I'm better in my consciousness and my awareness and my diligence from 17 years ago when I started. That's nobility. And it doesn't mean I'm a complete, pro- I'm a work in progress. There's more for me to know and understand and to do and express. So I don't use that as a determinant of whether it's, it's valuable or not, but I look back, oh my gosh, look at this now. Look at all the time I used to spend on that. And I've been able to put that down. Look how I forced my way through my own crowded thinking, which was just chaos, to, to t- tap into that Christ consciousness. That's our opportunity. But that's an act of love, and then we show up more fully orbed in love. And then when people come at us, you know, I mean, I can, you know, just stand here and I'll use Adam again to say, Adam, you're stupid. Me saying Adam is stupid doesn't make Adam stupid. What it does is it demonstrates what a judgmental small person I am. That's all it does. So when people come up to you and accuse you of something, it has nothing to do with you. It's just where they are in their consciousness. But we don't get that. And then wars start. I mean, look at all the people that thought the Vietnam War was a good idea. Look at all the people on the planet that, no, they're not, not anymore, but thought the Crusades were a great idea. Look what that's left us with. You know, now you got, you, go, you watch the history of uh, Osama bin Laden, he goes right back, that September 11th is a significant day in the, in the history of Crusades. He just brought it forward thousands, a few thousand years. And there were people who thought that was a good idea. But all I'm saying is with this is that we never know. And what we can do is, is monitor and be, and be good stewards of our own consciousness and our own capacity to love. Love wants us to flourish and grow. Number four is the face of beauty, to see beauty wherever we go. Another, another you know what, I'm going to worry. No, no, what? Stop, stop, stop. I'm going to find the beauty wherever it is. Wayne Dyer talks about in his book, The Power of Intention, he did a panel with Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's uh, Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl, many of you know the story, was confined to a Nazi prison camp. He was a psychologist. He was a man of the Jewish tradition. And he was put into the camps. And he did not give up his dignity. And he did not give up his integrity. And he refused to hate. And he said he can remember the day that the Nazis gave him a warm bowl of hot water with a fish head floating in it. And before he ate it, because that's what he was going to eat to stay alive, he looked at it and he found the beauty in it. He said, I was determined to find the beauty, whatever was coming before me. I refused to buy into this idea of whatever it was the Nazis were trying to impose upon him. Such a powerful message. I don't know if I'd be able to to see the beauty in a, a bowl of hot water with a fish head floating in it. But that was Frankel's practice. 
beauty. The face of beauty is always present, even when others do not see beauty. Beautiful thoughts, beautiful thoughts build a beautiful soul. Beautiful thoughts build a beautiful soul. If you take these seven practices and write them down and use them for the next 30 days, who knows what could show up in your life? Who knows? Number five, the face of expansion. Life continues to want to express more and more life. It's the nature of it. Our power of intention is the power to expand and increase all aspects of life. All aspects of life. We are the ones that impose the limitation upon ourselves. Anything is possible. But what we must do is build the consciousness to support the thing. So if we have a dream or a goal, it's not about how can I manipulate people into supporting my dream. It's about how must I build a consciousness so that I can be, a, that I can be the shaman, I can be the creator of this, which will then attract the right and perfect people. But one is working from the outside in and one is working from the inside out. And when you're working from the inside out, when you're standing in who you are, and it's in alignment with that divine purpose of intention and creativity and, and kindness and love and beauty, there's a, there's a vibrancy there that's different because it's exhausting to do it the other way. Last week I was down for the count. I want to thank Reverend Connie for stepping in and doing the talk. But I was, I, it's as sick as I've been probably in the last 20 years in terms of my physical. I just, everything was going on. And I realized, you know, this is, a, this is about surrender. It's about putting things down. It's about holding things in place and, and, and being in that sort of management of the community. We got a lot of things going on here. There's amazing things happening with our small group, with our co-creation work of healing those deep issues around us where we have agreement with lack and limitation. We made a commitment this year to stop doing all this fundraising. I said, I'm not going to do this fundraising anymore. If we're going to do an activity, let's do it for fun. For fun, fun. Getting together for fun, you know what I mean? Because otherwise I'm manipulating and saying, you know what, we we don't have enough to operate, but we're going to do a fundraiser and then we're going to fill that in. And I realized, you know what, we're going to stand in integrity and we're going to know that all of our programs are fully funded. What's happening right now is we're going backwards. We, 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 every time, this is an amazing pattern for me and great teaching. Every time we get to a point where we think, wow, we're ready to take the next leap. We're ready to do this. We're ready to look at new facility. We're ready to do some things. And they're big ideas. It's about expansion. I listen like, oh my gosh, it's possible. Every time we do that, we go backwards. We scramble around and go, oh my gosh, not only are we not meeting our budget, we're going backwards. And I'm thinking, what am I? I I'm part of this. Where am I not letting God step in and do this? And so when I went down last week, I said, this, you know what? I got to heal this or it'll kill me. Literally. I mean, I was on death's door last week. I got to stop. I got to say, because what we teach is we ask for help. We ask for help and we go round and round with strategies. And it's, you know, and it's like, wow, what do we do? Can we afford? And people say, well, don't ask. Whatever you do, don't ask. It's like, well, we teach, we, teach, we ask for help. But you ask from love and you ask, because not for me. Look, I can go get another job, make a living. I can make a good living. I can make a much better living than I'm making right now. But I'm not in this to, to, to hoard. I'm in this because I love this teaching. I love what we stand for. And I've watched people's lives be transformed, and I think the planet needs this. Now, maybe I'm hallucinating. Maybe I'm crazy. But I think this is such a powerful, powerful teaching, and I love this teaching, and it's just given me so much in my life. It's helped me break the patterns. So when I ask, it's, it's not because my needs need to be filled, but it's because I, I just see the possibility of expansion. And so what I know in this is I must do my own healing around this. This is my opportunity to go deeper. But it's a beautiful opportunity, and it's expansion. And there's no pressure. There's no pressure. We don't have to do anything. 
If you're coming from a consciousness of feeling pressure because someone asked you, that's an opportunity to heal something. That's a limitation you've got going on in your mind. I know because I've lived there most of my life. When something shows up in my life, there's two options that we have. When something shows up that challenges us at a deep level, there's, there's two things we can do. We can walk away from it. And many people do that. I remember the lady getting mad at me and screaming at me about Mother's Day about five, six years ago. And I haven't seen her since. I thought, okay, she walked away. And what am I going to do? Chase her? Talk her out of it? I said, hey, have your experience. And I still love you. I didn't do that. I didn't do that talk to upset you. Or we move into it and we heal it. It's, just, it's that simple. You either move into it and you do your healing work or you walk away from it. And you do your spiritual bypass. Those are the two options. And so what I know about this is this is a beautiful opportunity. And as we have the discussion, as we do that, that's why we're doing all this co-creation work, this healing, these limiting beliefs, this agreement with struggle, lack, and limitation. It's like, man, let's demonstrate this teaching and demonstrate it in a powerful, beautiful, wonderful way. Let's have enough space so all of our, our teens can be here every Sunday with us during service and all of our kids. I mean, if we had a home and we had a family and we didn't have enough bedrooms for everybody, we'd buy a new house or we'd remodel. It's no different here. We don't need to have the Taj Mahal to do this, but it'd be nice to fit the whole family in at one time, wouldn't it? I don't think that's a huge idea. And so at the beginning of the year, we said if everybody each week would put 850 in every week of our givers, we could be able to fulfill that. And so I placed a request, and we put it out there, and we don't talk about it, and we don't ask for it because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. It's like, get uncomfortable. It's okay. We start going the other way. It's like, wow, what is going on? And then I try and fix it. And I carry it and I carry it and I try to fix it. And I think, well, I should just go get a job. I'll go get a job. Yeah, I'll get a job. Somebody else can do this. And that's kingdom too. I got a job. But what happens is when we don't carry it well, we get sick. And it just brings you to my knees. And I say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need to ask. And I hope you hear it in the spirit with which it's asked, but how many of us do that? We gotta maintain it all. And so what happens is I'm living from separation in that. I don't wanna do that. I wanna be open, I wanna be expansive. Number six, the face of unlimited abundance. There we go. It is unlimited. Look at the people that are thriving on the planet. Kennedy Schultz used to say a couple things. Number one, on Mother's Day, he never had a mom. He said, I used to play that up so well. People go, oh, Kennedy, you never had a mom. And he used to say to me, you never miss what you never had. He didn't know what it was to have a mom. He never had one. The other thing he used to say is when you go through Georgia, and his church was down in Atlanta, Georgia, he said, when you want to go through the back roads of Georgia, you come upon all these beautiful little brick red churches. Every community has this beautiful brick red church. They're dirt poor. They're living in shacks. They don't have running water. They have outhouses, but they got a beautiful brick church. Every little community had that same red brick church. And he says, you know why they're all there like that? I said, no, why? He said, because those people know what they believe in. They know what's a priority in their lives. Oh, wow. Great point. Doesn't matter if we agree with it or not. They believe in it. That was a, now, that's a consciousness. There's some preaching going on down there. But they know. The face of abundance. Anything is possible. And everything is possible. Abundance is what we were created from. We were created from abundance. There's no limitation. There's one mind, spirit's mind. One life, God's life. Number seven, receptivity. To be open to possibility. How can I receive at a deeper level? All of nature is waiting to be called into action. All of nature is waiting to be called into action. You're not, your job is not, not to, say, to say how. The how is not ours. It's to say yes. 
Yes. Big idea comes along. Wow, yes, I'm, that's for me. Watch a great car. When you see not all the cars, because you'll have too many cars, you want a place to keep them, but when you see the great car that you love to have in your life, and you start going, oh, golly, I'd, oh, I'd, love, to, I'd, I'd love to have that, but I'll never have it because I don't have the money and don't have the means, don't have the job, blah, 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 blah. don't go there. When it goes by, just go, yes, that's for me. Or whatever it may be, yes, that's for me. Just practice it because it opens us up. It makes us more receptive. When we give, you know, one of the, the powerful tools in our lives is we, the way we tap into more receptivity and build a bigger consciousness around it is we, we confront our fears around money and lack and limitation. So it is setting an intention. Intention is a force that exists in the universe. When sorcerers, this is castaneda, you won't see it up on the screen. When sorcerers, those who live of the source, unbroken connection, beckon, it comes to them and sets up the pathway for attainment which means sorcerers always accomplish what they set out to do. When you know you're in alignment, when you're living in, 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 in union with this, this force for good, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But we have to pay attention along the way where we're, where we're, where we're hanging on too close. I use the example of me having to manage it, do it all myself. And then my body breaks down. My health goes. So that's not, that's not what's intended. It's about having the conversation. It's about doing the work in consciousness. It's about asking. We ask. When we do an affirmative prayer, we ask. We ask. So the tools and practices moving forward. Number one, as you do this. So here's the seven. And I know you won't probably remember them, but they are. um, If you, you talk to me next week, I'll make sure you have the list. But you could work with these principles. But visualize in your life. Visualize is one of the tools. Visualize the, the creativity and the kindness and the love and the beauty and the expansiveness and the abundance and the receptivity. Visualize, what does that feel like for you? Hmm, I'm going to play with beauty today. I'm going to see beauty everywhere I go. No, no, I'm going to spend time worrying again. No, I'm not. I'm bringing myself back over here to beauty. And beauty doesn't have to be anything huge. I mean, these roses, look at these beautiful roses. They're just amazing. You know, who thought that up? Isn't that amazing? Just a simple, it's so beautiful. It's like, oh my gosh. It's a meditation. But so you visualize that, and then you become a reflector in your life. The next tool is a reflector. Reflect back. When people say to you things, what is that all about? As I mentioned, like I said, you know, there's Adam. He's stupid. Adam's not stupid. He's a brilliant young man. What it reflects is me. What am I reflecting back to the world? How am I participating in the world? The third one is expect beauty. To look for it wherever we go. Went to Mexico. You know, we were flying down on the plane to Mexico, and this woman said to me, Sitting next to us, well, you know, I, I really love it. We're going to Puerto Vallarta. It's very nice. All the people in Puerto Vallarta say hi, and I'm starting a church down there in a couple months, by the way. Anyway, but we're, we're going down there, not starting a church down there, but I'm just kidding. Um, but she said, you know, I like it, but I just don't like the poverty. And I thought, those people don't think they live in poverty. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, I, you know, if Donald Trump came to my house, he'd probably say the same thing. You know, I love Patrick, but all right, I like him kind of. Not that he'd probably ever come over, and I probably wouldn't ask him, but let's just use it hypothetically, okay? Let's say Donald's coming over. He's probably going to walk out of there and go, oh my God, you know, I, I like him, but pfft, how do you live like that? <laughs> two bedrooms, two and a half baths? Come on. It's, you know, it's, it's, and when she said that, I just thought, wow, you know, because those people don't think of it as poverty. 
It's beauty. Where's the beauty? I mean, there's beauty everywhere in the eyes of those people. Meditate on appreciation. Meditate on appreciation. What can I be grateful for? Once again, a tool to align us. Appreciation, gratitude. And then banish doubt. I've got two, last slide, two quotes on doubt. Because doubt is so popular, isn't it? Isn't it great to get into the doubt? Because then we have a reason not even to start. As, as Shakespeare said, our doubts, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. So we go into doubt so strongly, we don't even bother trying. What's the point? Why should I try? Because my doubt is so strong in my mind. And then Raman Maharishi said, doubt arises because of an absence of surrender. See, isn't it paradoxical? You read a book that you think, oh, book of intention. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, it's about aligning with intention. And the qualities of intention are creativity, kindness, love, beauty, expansion, abundance, and receptivity. Oh, man, I get that intention. Those are qualities of the infinite. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And that's surrendering. It's putting it down. What's mine to carry? What's not mine to carry? Where's the clarity in my life? What are the things that I can do really, really well and then let, and then let it go? Release it. Holmes knew that. That's why he put a step in the prayer work. Release. Release. Let it go. We're not alone in this. You are brilliant. Each and every one of you. Geniuses. Buckminster Fuller said that each one of us is born a genius and then through the act of living, we de-genius ourselves. We've been degeniused. And we've bought into it. There's nothing broken. There's nothing wrong with just being who you are. Because in fact, being true to who you are, standing in that more clearly and beautifully, allows us to partner with spirit in a wonderful, wonderful way. And so I'm not saying you've got to do the deep work. But if there's something that's limiting your experience, it might be to your advantage to take a look at it so you can dissolve it and say, I don't agree with that anymore. Because as I said earlier, we can either ignore it and walk away or we can lean into it. And I, I know from my own experience that walking away does nothing but delays the same experience over again. And I'm to the point in my life where I'm getting really good at leaning. And I know a lot of you are as well. So thank you, blessings, and happy Mother's Day.